True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on March 25th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers on the happiest of Kokomo Fridays. We are the champions. We did it. FBT won the 2022 Fantasy Baseball Podcast Bracket hosted by our buddy Baseball Pods on Twitter. Shout out to Derek Van Riper and Eno Saris of the Rates and Barrels Podcast. Those guys are awesome and it was an honor to be going up against them. Huge thanks to all of our listeners, supporters, and anybody who voted for us. This was our third year in the bracket and we finally took it down. Scott, it has been an awesome year for you. I know. Freddie Freeman is no longer a Brave, but if you think about everything in totality, the Braves, champions, Georgia, Uh national champs, and now this. It's a big year. It's a lot of winning. A lot of winning. This this is the biggest of all, though. That's right. That's right, Chris. (laughs) We are the champs. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm not used to winning things. I don't know how to react. I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) Um, No, it's cool. It's nice to... It's nice to be recognized for the work that you do. For sure. You know, on the occasions that it happens. So <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. Thanks again to everybody who voted for us. Thanks to our, our buddy Baseball Pods for putting that on. And if you haven't, like, go back, look at the bracket. I encourage everyone to like check out all the great podcasts. There are a lot. And of course, you know, we want you to stick with us and, and watch and listen to all of our content. But there's a lot of great content out there. So uh, we encourage you to check Honestly, that out as well. I voted for Rain and Merrills. <laughs> you can't blame me for that. Like we, don't, we don't blame me. I voted for Eno. <laughs> we made such a strong case for them on the show yesterday. I, I you know, we're kind of, I kind of got that impression that we were all going to vote for them. So. <laughs> DVR, man, the voice of an angel. That is true. I honestly, you know, got to have a sappy moment. I do want to thank you guys as well. I mean, you've made my job very easy. It's been a very seamless transition uh, filling in for Adam Azer, which is no easy task to do. So thank you guys for, for making the job very easy. Today on the show, We are going to look at the different site rankings and average draft position. The big hitters, ESPN, Yahoo, 
obviously CBS. And we're going to compare and contrast. We'll look at which players are outliers on each of those websites. We had a trade today. Randall Gritchick was traded over to the Colorado Rockies. Some spring performances. I read an article about Logan Gilbert working out with Jacob deGrom in the offseason. And I might be getting like too irrationally excited about this. So I'm going to need Scott and or Chris to calm me down because I'm just, I'm going haywire right now. Uh, and then I will present the case for elite closers. Jeff Zimmerman is a very smart analyst and fantasy player. He slid in my DMs on Twitter earlier on Thursday and he said, you guys are killing me with the elite closer talk. So I will present his argument and then we will get a rebuttal <clears throat> from Scott and Chris. Let's start off with ESPN and the players who stand out most there. And before we even get into the players, I'm just going to set this all up by letting you know that their, their point scoring format in head to head points leagues is very different than CBS. And I think that's going to be the driving force for a lot of the players you see ranked either higher or lower in ESPN leagues. So in head to head points leagues on their form uh, on their website, hitters lose a full point for strikeouts. That's half a point on CBS. They only Brutal. get one point for stolen bases. That's two points oh. on CBS. So double whammy. I mean, you know, when we talk about base dealers on CBS and how like devalued they are in points leagues, that's with two points per steal on ESPN. That's only one. So they're no. devalued even more in that format. And then they're, they're made next to worthless. I mean, basically the, the true base dealers, unless they make a ton of contact too. like, I, I don't know exactly where like somebody like Whit Merrifield would slot. He may still be usable, but he's, he's not going to be high end. Whit Merrifield 71st ranked on ESPN. His ADP is 34.4. So he's actually much that's lower not, in their format. Yeah, it's not bad on the pitching side for them. You only get one point per inning pitched compared to three for CBS, you lose two, two points per earned run. That's minus one on CBS. Oh, you get gosh. one full no. point, one full point per strikeout uh, for, for pitchers compared to just half a point on CBS. Five points for a win, minus five for a loss, nothing for a quality start, no bonuses there, and then you get five for a save. So we were talking beforehand, and Scott, basically this puts even more of a separation between, I guess, the elite, starting pitchers, the haves, and the have-nots in this format. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking two earned, two, minus two points for an earned run as opposed to minus one, and a full point per strikeout versus half a point per strikeout, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much separation between the legitimately high-end starting pitchers and everybody else. Um, and, and so I, 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 even though they're only getting one point per inning, they're 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 kind of yeah they're they're kind of creating this big distinction at the position and I think what they've done there with that scoring format is they've basically optimized it for like a ten team league they've made they've built in scarcities for shallow leagues and like they've eliminated the incentive to to stream pitchers um, and, but they've and just I'm pretty sure ten team leagues are the most popular format at CBS from from what I've heard yeah. Well, they, they've really shrank the pool of usable players on both the hitter end and the pitcher end so that if you tried playing in a 12-team league or anything deeper in that scoring format, it would be, I imagine it would be really frustrating. I get that every site is different and, you know, we're all independent. It's fine. You can have your own scoring system, but I kind of wish that there was just 
one uniform scoring system for head-to-head points leagues in fantasy baseball, it would just make talking about that format a lot easier. Like, you know, football is pretty standard across every website that you play on, basically. But baseball, it could be very different depending on which site you go to. So, with all that being said, um, some hitters on ESPN that are much higher in that on that website. First overall, Shohei Otani. His ADP is 9.8 uh, on Fantasy Pros, so that takes into account all the websites. He's first overall, and I believe you can get his hitting and pitching points together even if you start him as a utility batter. So I, That's I remember, the only way that would make sense. I, yeah, I remember last year people were pointing that out to me, that on ESPN you get all of his points. You get his pitching and his hitting points even if you just have him in there as a hitter. So... I mean, Chris, like you said, I mean, it would make sense that he's the first overall player if that's the case. Yeah, because this scoring format doesn't actually benefit him and the way he plays. He's fairly strikeout prone. He derives a decent amount of his value from stolen bases. So the scoring format itself doesn't necessarily benefit Shohei Otani. But if you can get both his hitting and pitching points at the same time, then yes, he's obviously the number one player. It doesn't really matter what the scoring format is. So I think that's... That's what must be going on there. Scott, one that really stands out for me, Wander Franco. I think you know, generally you and I are excited about Wander Franco. Chris, maybe not as much. He's ranked as the 16th player on ESPN. His ADP is 46.6 on Fantasy Pros, and he is going ahead of Bo Bichette. Do you think in a format like this, which devalues steals and puts more weight on plate discipline and making contact, that it's actually justifiable for Wander Franco to be... A top 24 player. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you just look at look at our scoring format. I don't have per game averages for ESPN scoring format, but the thing that Franco does bet, like the, the thing we know for sure that he's going to do well is not strike out. He's going to put the ball in play. And, and that is, at least among hitters, where you see the biggest differentiation between their scoring format and ours. In our scoring format, where it's just minus half a point for every strikeout, Franco, last year, as a rookie, so we're not assuming any more growth. We're just taking exactly what he did last year and assuming that's what he's going to be this year. Uh, Franco averaged almost exactly many, as many points per game as Corey Seager. Uh, compared to Bo Bichette, Bo Bichette was 3.52. Wander Franco was 3.32, so not a huge gap there. I imagine if you factor in the the difference in strikeouts between the two, it would move Franco's per game total ahead of what Bichette did last year. And again, that's assuming Franco doesn't improve at all in his second season. Chris, I know you had a, a bit of a take on Wander Franco before we started. Do you want to share that or do you want to keep it to yourself? You're muted, bud. Should have lost the contest just for that. I don't know what the contest is. <laughs> I don't think I don't I don't think Eno Saris is ever muted. <laughs> I'm just gonna oh, start playing. Con- okay. I'm just gonna start playing the, the the Gallo Shallow song whenever Chris. It is just muted. honestly, it seems a little unfair to put that on me. Like like Scott doesn't accidentally mute himself. It's happened a couple times. I think it happened <laughs> twice one time in one day. But I think it happens yeah. more frequently with you, Chris. It, it I'm does. sorry, bud. Okay. Well, you know what. <laughs> I have memory problems, all right? I have attention problems. It's it's a thing. Yeah, no, my take about Wander Franco is that I think people are probably going to dislike Franco at this point next year, given the way people react to top prospects. I, I just I think the hype is possibly outstripping the 
the likelihood of him being the type of player that people are hoping he's going to be at the prices he's going to garner. And like, yes, he was in this format, according to the, the rough calculations I just did, um, ever so slightly better than uh, Corey Seager last season. Uh, if you gave them the same number of games in the ESPN scoring format, Wander Franco was at 290 points and Corey Seager was at 283. So ever, ever so slightly. And obviously Wander Franco is a young enough player that I think it's it's not unreasonable to expect improvement. The, the amount of the improvement needed would probably be greater than what I'm willing to account for in a normal scoring format. But maybe in this format, you know, having him or, over Corey Seager makes some sense. But we're talking about second Bo round Bichette. is just what was that? We're talking about Boba Shet, not Corey Seager. Oh, Boba Shet. Uh, I didn't look up Boba Shet, okay. so I did Corey Seager because you mentioned that earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just, yeah, I mean, and so like points per game, they were almost exactly the same last year. Bichette was ahead on our scoring format, but not by so much that, that <clears> yeah, I can understand being excited about Wander Franco and bumping him up in this format, but 16th overall just. That feels like you're drafting way closer to the ceiling, even accounting for the fact that this is a scoring format. Let's start with this. Like, that what, what ceiling do you imagine Wander Franco having? Because I, mean, I feel like 16th overall this is, is really, really high. That is. No, no. Like, where's Freddie Freeman being drafted point for a strikeout? Uh, let's see. On ESPN, Freddie Freeman is 12th. So, like, and right behind Freddie Freeman, a guy who we know is a 900 OPS bat, who right. doesn't strike out very much who contributes production across the board. Like that's just asking an awful lot of a 21, a 20 year old who last season was pretty good in a points league, but he's, he's not going ahead of Freddie Freeman though, right? He's going basically at the same price, 16th versus 12th. Like that's, that's a a, a rounding error. Right. Well, but who deserves to go in between them, I guess, is the question, because there aren't that many productive hitters who strike out as infrequently as Wander Franco does. And and I I, I do play in a head-to-head points league where it's minus a full point for strikeouts, and Wander Franco is absolutely somebody I'd be paying up two or three rounds for in that format. All right. Uh, a few other names yeah. here that I wanted to mention who have very low strikeout rates who are uh, elevated in this format. Nolan Arenado is 27th overall. Jose Altuve is 33rd. Carlos Correa is 53rd. And then I wanted to mention two second basemen. Max Muncy is 56th. He still strikes out quite a bit, even though I, he walks, but that seems very, very aggressive. His ADP is 109.4. And DJ LeMahieu is 63rd. His ADP is 117.8. So, look, I guess I could see the high-end outcome for Max Muncy if, he, if he's able to stay healthy, but these were two that like really stood out to me where, you know, even if mm-hmm. it works out, man, top mm-hmm. 70 for each seems tough. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and obviously there are other factors beyond just this is the scoring system. Every site has its own projections that it's working with, and there are all manner of ways to do projections that may mean they're using a more favorable one for DJ LeMahieu than, than other sites are. And and they may not be downgrading him for playing time concerns that may now exist with the, him not having a spot to call his own anymore. Uh, So there are other reasons why that may be other than just the scoring system. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's helped by the scoring system. He doesn't strike out much. That's, that's part of it. 
I want to go back to the Wander Franco thing for just a second because I, <laughs> I saw, I'm not going to say who it was, but I saw somebody tweeting about this the other day and he was basically, I forget which projection system he was looking at, but he was basically comparing Wander Franco's projection to Alex Verdugo's projection and like, why draft Wander Franco when you can draft Alex Verdugo? And, and like, there's an obvious answer for that, which is, I, I don't know of any fantasy league that scores on projections. You know, like, yeah, maybe that'll be the way it goes. Or maybe Wander Franco will take a huge step forward in his second year, sort of like we saw from Vladimir Guerrero uh, last Although year. worth pointing out, was not year two for Vladimir Guerrero. And no, people overpaid for be. Vladimir Guerrero for we didn't, years. We didn't know what year it would happen for Vladimir Guerrero, and we don't for Wander Franco either. And frankly, I'm more encouraged by the way Wander Franco's rookie year was than I was Vladimir Guerrero. So I... I just think it's weird that there's this assumption this is all Wander Franco is when he was the top prospect in baseball, what, three years in a row? And, like, just his back control is unbelievable, sort of like Vladimir Guerrero's is for a player that age. Yeah, I guess I, so I, what I would say is if you have to bet on an elite skill manifesting into elite production right away or, you know, relatively soon, Good bat control, mediocre, honestly, kind of below average quality of contact was what Wander Franco had last season. Or good bat control and elite quality of contact. Now, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero had things he had to improve. And I think, you know, overall, they were very similar as pre-breakout players, assuming that this is pre-breakout for Wander Franco. Vlad was a little worse. He was more like a high 700s OPS bat. Wander Franco ended up at 810. But it is worth pointing out that Wander Franco's quality of contact so far is pretty bad. Um, 66th max, percentile average max, exit velocity. Max ex, well, max exit velo was 66th percentile. Average exit velocity was 88.2 miles per hour. Um, okay. You're right. I don't know what the percentile is that for that because he didn't qualify. Um, but three point four point nine percent barrel rate, three forty six expected woba on contact compared to a three sixty nine for the league. 36 37.6 percent hard hit rate versus thirty five point four percent hard hit rate for but the like, league. But like, I just think you're digging too deep into the numbers for a twenty year old who was in the league for the first time, got three hundred plate appearances. Like, I mean, it, it's just. But Scott, you were down on Vlad. Both of the last two years. So I, I don't think I'm digging too deep into the numbers. I think you're more optimistic about Wander, and that's fine. But I, I just hear a lot more naysayers with Wander Franco. Like I his ADP is like 48th. I don't I don't want to draft I, I right draft Wander, was. Yeah. I don't want to draft Wander Franco in round three or four or four or five. But six or seven? Yeah. Yeah, I'll shoot for the upside there. Like once Corey Seeger's gone, basically, I'm I'm fine taking. Wander Franco. And but how many times have you drafted Wander Franco, given that perspective? None, because there's usually somebody in the league more excited about it. So that's but, what I'm saying, is that's why I think people are going to be frustrated with Wander Franco, because he's being he's being drafted as if he's already there. But that, well... Not necessarily, no, because I mean, his upside... he's already there would be like round two. Yeah, his upside is he could Maybe. be a first-round player. He could make that leap. He is a hard player to project, because yes. his median projection is what you see on fan graphs. And, and it doesn't look that exciting. It's 290, well, it's, 18 it's to 20 homers, six to eight steals, something like that. But when you're a prospect of his caliber and you make contact as frequently as he does, 
you know, you can squint and you could see him taking a huge step forward. And, you know, he hits 25 plus homers. He hits 320, awesome counting stats, 10 plus steals. And if he does all that, you know, he probably is a second round player. So. No, it's not necessarily like I can see why people are excited about Wander Franco. It's just in my eyes, it's a lot of projection and not a lot of the act like it's not that I think Wander Franco is going to be a bad hitter this season. It's not that I think he's going to be a bad major league player. I don't think his skill set is going to be particularly conducive to fantasy production right away. That's my concern is that I just I don't know if he has the over the fence power. I think he's being projected as someone who might steal. And I think it's entirely possible Ronda Franco's like a non-factor in stolen bases, at least relatively speaking. I think that there's a better chance he's a five stolen base guy than he is a 15 stolen base guy. And his steals were part of his game in the minors. So maybe that's baked into his projections a little bit, but he was a really, really inefficient base stealer in the minors. Um, And it's the Rays, And they're not going to let a guy who runs at 65% success rates which would be a 10 point to percentage point improvement over his minor league career. They're not going to let that kind of guy run, even if it's a top prospect. And he was not great against righties last season either. He had a sub 700 OPS against them. So are we really nitpicking what a 20 year old did? Like for a 20 year old, what he did was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. Yes. But like, well, no, what he did was yeah. really good. What Juan, Juan, what Juan Soto it did was Juan Soto like, yeah. No, Juan Soto was so much better than Wander. It Franco was as a second to Juan Soto, right? But it was like a hundred point OPS difference. <laughs> okay. It was a All really right. big gap. Like Juan, uh, Wander, Juan Soto came to the majors as a twenty year old and was hitting the ball really, really hard. Yeah. He know, had, the question with Juan Soto when he was a rookie wasn't, is this guy going to hit for power? It's can he elevate up the ball enough? I think he struck out like three times in September or something. Did Wander Franco? Yeah, once, yeah. Juan Soto had a nine twenty three OPS as a rookie, so he he was Juan Soto was historically better. right. But you get what I'm saying. Yes, Juan Soto was here, and maybe Wander Franco was here, but then all the other twenty year olds, you know. <laughs> I get it. Look, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Chris, specifically in roto category leagues. <clears throat> Wander Franco might be overvalued right now in points leagues. Sure. In, I'm, in I'm okay format, taking him in like a. The fourth or fifth round. I'm, I'm good. Sure. With and specifically in the SPN format where strikeouts are so heavily penalized, I think you can make a case for him being more valuable than I'm allowing for, certainly. But even then, second round is, I just, I think that's too much. Starting pitchers who are much higher ranked on ESPN. Robbie Ray is 17th overall. Aranola, 22nd. Kevin Gosman is 30th. Luis Castillo is 46th. Nathan Avaldi is 76. So we spoke about starting pitchers early and why that might be elevated in this format. As you can imagine, the hitters that are much lower in ESPN, there's a very constant theme here. Strikeouts, base dealers, or a combination of both. Salvador Perez is ranked a little bit lower. He's 50th overall. Uh, Whit Merrifield is 71st. Javier Baez, 140th. Adalberto Montesi, 231st. Bo Bichette is down at 23. Uh, Willie Adamas is 216th. Jazz Chisholm is 217th. Cedric Mullins is 59th. So you you see a common theme here. Uh, Starling Marte is lower. He's outside the top 100. Byron Buxton outside of the top 100. Same thing with Randy Arozarena. Now, what I will say about this is if you play in a Roto League on ESPN and they have the same rankings here as our, that are being displayed on Fantasy Pros, then, I mean, Scott, you could just have a field day because, like, 
you know, someone like Mondesi is being ranked outside the top 200 in a Roto League. I mean, that that's just completely insane. So I didn't go into yeah. a, a Roto draft lobby to see if that's the case. But if it is, you can take massive, massive advantage of that on ESPN. Yeah, surely they don't have it set up that way, I would say. I hope um, not. But I, I don't know. I never really draft on ESPN, so I can't say for sure. You know, and I do wonder on fantasy pros, like where do they where do they get this ADP info? Because you know, at CBS we have separate ADP info for head to head and roto. It's not like it's combined into one single ADP. So I, I just don't know where they're pulling the data from, and I know even less about where they're doing it from ESPN. So keep that in mind too. But yeah, the players you mentioned, like I, I imagine in an ESPN head to head points league, Jazz Chisholm is just. Like even if he has a good season, he's just going to yeah. be worthless because the the he's going to strike out a ton and and a big part of his value is stolen bases and and Javier Baez. I'm surprised he's not even lower than you mentioned, Frank. Because sure. what'd you say, like 140th overall? Yep. Which yeah is, is getting into fringe starter territory, which certainly he he's more than that on our site. But but yeah, I mean that's those are the kind of players that are going to suffer definitely. The, now, I want to go back to the starting pitchers because I, I think yeah. it's one thing that's interesting about this scoring format. If you look at, you know, not as many points per inning, bigger penalty for earned runs, bigger bonus for strikeouts, no quality start bonus. That does seem to value a guy like, I don't know if Robbie Ray is the right, but like Freddie Peralta last season. Or Trevor Rogers, the guy who doesn't necessarily go six innings every time, who's not going to be a quality start machine, but who's going to get a lot of strikeouts per inning, who's going to be really good in terms of the earned runs that he's allowing per inning. That definitely takes away some of the value of a an Adam Wainwright, let's yeah. say. You know, because he's not going to have such a volume advantage. He's not going to get consistent quality start bonuses the way he would in our format so and, and wins it's seven points for a win yeah. on our site versus five on theirs so yeah winning and pitching deep enough to get a win which is <laughs> something i put a lot of emphasis on yeah, yeah you're right so shane O'Mac, frank yeah potentially yeah. Yeah. into that category probably like dylan cease too would be more valuable on ESPN. Sure. Yep, yeah. for sure. Uh, last one I'll mention here, Ronald Acuna is ranked 41st on ESPN. He has an ADP of 10.2, so I would say take advantage of that regardless of format. I, You know, he gets a lot of value from his steals, but he should still be really good regardless. The madness continues. Don't miss a moment of the action on CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV, and download the March Madness live app to watch every game, anywhere, anytime, live. Reminder, number one, we have a mailbag pod and an FBT in five that is coming out on Saturday, so be on the lookout for that. And our second reminder, we are now accepting your FBT Podcast League submissions. The 12-team head-to-head points league draft will be this coming Wednesday, March 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We also have the For the People League, which is a 16-team head-to-head categories league. That draft will be the following Tuesday, April 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, send us something creative, a song, Photoshop a picture of us. We've already got some great submissions on Twitter. So, so somebody sent, somebody fulfilled my request of the uh, Kokomo thing, um, except... It's the weirdest thing that one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced on social media. Someone sent us this picture and I look at it and it's a picture of Frank and it's a picture of Scott. And then it's a picture of this guy I went to college with named Eric Feldman. (laughs) What? (laughs) So apparently if you Google me, 
one of the results that comes up is my LinkedIn page. But for some reason, the image that comes up when my LinkedIn page is indexed on Google Images is this guy I went to college with <laughs> who I, I mean, I, I may have seen him once in the last decade. Actually, no, that would have been 2012. There's no way I've seen him in the last decade. I, nothing against Eric. Uh, we went to, we worked at the college newspaper together, but this person sent me this in, image and I'm just like, how did this happen? It took me like 15 minutes of like some sleuthing to figure out what would have happened there. And it was, I mean, he's also a bald guy, so I guess I can see, but he's much <laughs> skinnier than me. And, but it was just so weird to see this face of this person that I've just like, <laughs> have not thought about really in such a long time. I don't know why that happened with my LinkedIn page. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, is that even Chris? I, I don't I don't know. I don't, who is that person? Was, I don't know. It's like, wait, that that's Eric from college? I, I don't know. I haven't been in college in such a long time. Uh, we actually got another great Photoshop of, it looks like a, I can't believe it's not butter commercial, but it, it's, yes. I can't believe it's not buttery and it's, it's Scott and <laughs> it's Chris and, and there's uh, some Michael Caine in there. My, my face is kind of embedded in, in some toast. So <laughs> people are getting creative already. So uh, we're enjoying it. Uh, so Photoshop a picture, make a poem, create a t-shirt design, uh, or just tell us why you deserve to be in the league. Email your submissions to fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Put FPT Listener League in the subject line and please let us know which draft you could be in because we're going to broadcast both of them and we have to make sure that you're actually there and you're on time so everything can work out smoothly. We're going to take a quick yeah. break and when we return, we'll get to Yahoo rankings and differences here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. All right, so let's take a look at Yahoo and a reminder here that mostly head-to-head -head categories and roto leagues on Yahoo. I went to their mock draft lobby. I clicked on every head-to-head -head lobby that I could find. None of them was a points league, so... I don't even know if they do points leagues, but um, 
it looks like they're mostly head-to-head categories and Roto, as I mentioned. Very liberal with position eligibility on Yahoo. Austin Riley, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, and Lourdes Gurriel. They each have first base eligibility. Mookie Betts has second base. Wander Franco has third base. Adalberto Mondesi has shortstop. And Fran Mil Reyes has outfield eligibility. Another one here, Chris, DJ LeMay. The joke we used to make with... uh, when, when I was doing baseball was that if you've thought about a basketball. position or basketball, <laughs> that if you've thought about a position, right. you will be eligible there at, at Yahoo. Seriously. Yeah. They're, it's, it's crazy. I mean, again, like I kind of like it, you know, I don't know. I, don't. I mean, I think it takes, I it, all. it takes away from the strategy of, you know, having to uh, make decisions and position scarcity. Yeah, who and, likes decisions? Ah, just come just on, make Chris. a lineup full of utility spots. Exactly. You're probably one of those people who wants to eliminate tight end in, in fantasy football too. Don't you? No, no. Gosh, no. those people are there. No. Come on. I mean, you're trying the, to make the game too easy at this point. Yeah. The uh, Honestly, one of the main things that distinguishes fantasy baseball from fantasy football to me is that there are so many positions that you have to account for. And so if you... If if if, if your eligibility rules are, are, are too broad like that, then, you know, you're, you're kind of removing one of the... One of the main appeals of the game, I feel like. I'm just, I'm I just agree. putting myself down as pro wackiness. <laughs> I liked wacky races with the the little dog. So yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm just pro wackiness. dog. Yeah, that right. Dog. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely. Look, Trent, you're too young for that one, but that was a very good impersonation of this dog. No, I think I yeah. know who you're talking about. Dirk, Dirk Dastardly was that the the bad guy in that? <laughs> I think I, this I think was, I know what you're talking Barbera about. Production, I'm right? definitely making that into a GIF or a short video, something like that, because that was great. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the players that are higher Dirk in Dastardly and Muttley, and the dog is going like this, right there. Look it up, folks. Are we good Old to Muttley. go? Are we good to go? Players who are ranked higher on Yahoo. <laughs> DJ Lemayhew again. I don't like. Maybe we're just too low on him. Uh, that's what I'm learning here. His ADP is one seventeen point eight. We have him 134th on CBS. He's 63rd on ESPN. He's 90th on Yahoo. So again, DJ LeMay, he's someone that stands out. And Anthony Rendon, 81st overall. His ADP is 101.4. I mean, Chris, these kind of take me by surprise because in a head-to-head categories league or even a roto league, I mean, are LeMahieu and Rendon going to be standouts technically? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing is... You know, depending on how the projection systems work, a lot of the default rankings in on on sites are based on projections, and you know, it's not hard to see how DJ LeMahieu and Anthony Rendon could be standouts in projections if you're projecting them for full seasons. You know, they were really, really good the two seasons prior to last year. So, you know, if you're not overweighting last season, both of those guys look really good. And you know, I started out the process with Anthony Rendon right around 81st. I was, you know, I've moved him down since then, but. I certainly believe there's bounce back potential for both Rendon and LeMahieu. I'm more optimistic about Rendon because his quality of contact in the past has been much better. But yeah, I wonder if that's, you know, what's what's going on there. But I I don't necessarily dislike either in in that regard. It's just you know, you don't have to take them that high in, in other leagues. So why would you? All right, a group of outfielders and then a couple of Astros ranked higher on Yahoo. J.D. Martinez is 57th overall. Giancarlo Stanton is 69th. Dylan Carlson is 146th. And then Yuli Gurriel is about 30 spots higher than his ADP. He's 162nd. And Michael Brantley is about... 
oof, 60 spots higher, 154th overall. Uh, Scott, what do you think about those players um, in this specific format? Again, mostly categories. J.D. Martinez, Stanton, Dylan Carlson, Guriel, and Michael Brantley being ranked higher. I like that they're different. I, I like I like seeing differences in a, of opinion because I feel like there's a little too much, um, a little too much homogeneity. Consensus. Yeah, homogeneity. That's a good word. A little too much of that going on in the fantasy baseball world these days. And part of it's just because, like, the introduction of Statcast, however many years ago. I'm sure people have thought this before in history and were proven wrong in time, but I, I, I kind of wonder how much more there is to know about players than that. Like, I, how, how much better can we evaluate players than we currently are? But it's still predicting the future, right? So you're still going to get things wrong a lot. And, and yeah. like, you could definitely... I think originally I had Yuli Gurriel and Michael Brantley ranked much higher, and I just kind of was like, well, nobody's drafting them that high. It's kind of silly to rank them that high, I guess. So I moved them down closer to consensus. And ergo, the homogeneity. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure, but that's that's how I've always operated. Yeah, no, I, and I mean, part of, when I saw this, I, one of my thoughts was like, this looks kind of like my rankings before I get shamed out of ranking <laughs> injury-prone players too high. <laughs> So, you know, like that, it could just be that, you know, there's a, a less of an injury penalty in their projections or, or something like that. Cause, you know, a lot of these guys have playing time concerns for one reason or another. Um, and if you're projecting Michael Brantley for, a, you know, 550 plate appearances, he's probably going to finish this high or maybe higher because his batting average is going to be so good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's again, it, it's nothing, it's not necessarily that I dislike them. And actually, I think Yuli Gurriel's probably ranked more appropriately here than he is elsewhere. And that's including my own rankings. I yeah. probably have him too low. It, there's, there's just a skepticism around him because of his age and his skill set and the lack of power there. But like, he's going to hit for a good batting average. He's going to have a bunch of counting stats. Yep. Um, well, well, this is, you know, this is kind of what I was talking about too is, is like, I, I I understand why you'd rank Yuli Gurriel lower than where he fits in the projections. Because I feel like he's pretty projectable as much as you can say for a guy that age anyway. Yeah. But there's a clear limit to his ceiling that might make you prioritize a Spencer Torkelson over him. Sure. Or, you know, what's another good example? I don't have rankings pulled up in front of me. Although it is, I feel like there, we just collectively kind of forget that Yuli Gurriel did have 31 homers and 104 RBI two years ago. Yeah, it was a, by far an outlier. It was combined, uh, his previous two seasons combined home run totals, and it was mostly like a two-month stretch, but still. I'm confident that he's never going to do that again because that right, was 2019. When he had 15 last year. He yeah. could have 23, and it wouldn't be a, a shocker. Sure. And, you know, that, you know, there's there's room. It's... It sort of highlights our the way that we view age as a proxy for upside or lack of experience, perhaps, is a better way of framing it. And it's well, really I, it's it's I, upside, I, but it's also variance and it's also the unknown. And so it's it's you know, like Yuli Gurel has upside. It's just you can't talk yourself into a huge season the way you can with with Spencer Torkelson. Like it's easy to talk yourself into Spencer Torkelson being one of those rookies that hits 275 with 30-plus homers and 100 RBI. You can't really do that with Yuli Gurriel. 
But that doesn't mean it's realistic or that his realistic upside is higher than Yoli Gurriel's. I'm more likely to target players like Brantley or Gurriel, high floor players in deeper leagues where, sure. again, like you need, you just need production. You need plate appearances, right? Like if you're playing in a 15 team Roto league and you know, you get to that point in the draft, you're looking for a corner infielder who can help in batting average and, and just provide stable counting stats. Then yeah, you're probably looking at, at somebody like Yuli Gurriel. You, you know, you want to take some chances earlier on and then you fall back on, on higher floor players later. Uh, that's typically where I, I would, I target players like this because again, it's like in a 10 or 12 team league, are they going to stand out that much? Probably not, but... I bet... You didn't mention him. I bet Gurriel is one of those that was higher. Yuli Gurriel, not not so much Lourdes, but Yuli Gurriel is one of those who was higher in uh, in the ESPN points leagues. Because in our points leagues last year, which, you know, the, the Gurriel doesn't strike out much. He strikes out like 60, 70 times a year. Yeah, no. In our points leagues last year, he was ahead of CJ Crone in points per game. He wasn't that far behind Pete Alonso, really. No, points per game. It's a good point you bring up, Scott, because he's ranked Yuli Gurriel 118th on ESPN. His ADP is 196. So mm-hmm. he is going about 80 spots higher in that format. Um, and again, if you you know, if you're losing points for strikeouts, it, it does make sense. A few pitchers who are higher on Yahoo. Jake McGee is 148th overall. His ADP is 212.6. He's actually going ahead of Camilo Duvall. Scott, you expect Duvall to open as the front runner for saves for the Giants, correct? Yeah, I do. We're yeah. not going to hear it, though. I mean, we're just going to yeah. have to see what Gabe Kapler does. Mm-hmm. And then there, yeah, that's yeah, that 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 seemed like the Giants beat writers were all hyping him up as the closer toward the end of last year, and obviously he was getting all the saves down the stretch. And then uh, Devin Williams, he goes about eighty spots ahead of ADP on Yahoo, one hundred ninety seventh, and a lot of these fringe closers, the Joe Barlows, the Dylan Floros, basically the the Scott range of closers, uh, those are all propped up in Yahoo leagues, which I think makes sense because based on head-to-head categories, you know, you want well, more relievers in I your lineup. I think the default lineup in Yahoo is three starters, three relievers, two pitchers. So I was looking, at least I did one the other day that had that, and I didn't see that it was a special category or a special format. So, you know, that could be part of it too. I joined a mock draft lobby where it was two starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and just four pitcher spots. So I don't know. That, I guess that's what I'll, I'll go with there. Uh, players Yahoo is lower on. We'll quickly run through these. Willie Adamas is 165th overall. Marcel Ozuna is 190th. Uh, Seiya Suzuki is 192nd. And then three pitchers. Sandy Alcantara, 53rd. Logan Webb, 98th. And Scotty, Ranger Danger. Ranger Suarez, 199th. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I could see taking advantage of all six of those discounts. Adamas, Ozuna, Seiya Suzuki, Alcantara, Webb, and Ranger Suarez on Yahoo. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's just that that's less to do with scoring format than just preferring different things in player evaluation. There are there are naysayers about Sandy Alcantara out there because he doesn't have the big K per nine rate. Of course, usually you're not scoring K per nine, you're usually scoring total number of K's, and he's gonna throw a ton of innings, and we think he has strikeout upside that he hasn't demonstrated yet. Uh and, and then of course Ranger Suarez relative to where we normally draft, the, the kind of pitchers who are going where we normally draft him, he doesn't have as much K per nine potential either. And so I think whoever does the rankings for Yahoo, whoever projects for Yahoo, uh, just maybe 
maybe has a bias against that. And I'm not saying, I, I don't mean the word bias like they don't know what they're talking about. It's it's just they they value different things in players than maybe we as a whole tend to. All right, let's get to the players that are ranked higher on CBS. And no surprise, I mean, these are players that we've been talking about all offseason because I'm pretty sure it's either using our consensus rankings or just how we draft. And typically, we are drafting these players higher. So Reese Hoskins, Brandon Belt, and Luke Voigt, those three at first base. Austin Riley is 31st on CBS, and his ADP is 41.2. So I think Scott might have contributed to that one a little bit. Uh, Josh Donaldson is 143rd. Corey Seager is 48th. Uh, Willie Adamas is 116th. We are far and away the highest on Willie Adamas, just basically in the industry. Uh, George Springer, 45th overall. I see you, Chris. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, 94th. The Beefcake, Marcelo Zuna, 142nd. And Joe Adele, 195th. So, look, again, Chris, I, we talk about these players all the time. But, yeah, those are the ones that we are ahead of the entire industry on. Yeah, and, <clears throat> you know, we've made our cases for all these guys. I don't think you need to hear them from us again. If you do listen to any episode of this podcast, and you'll likely hear us talk about any one of these guys. Um yeah, our projections are part of the draft room, or our rankings are part of the draft room for CBS. You can go up and select CBS Average, which is all three of us. You can do projections, or you can do any of whichever one of our of the three of us are your favorite. Hopefully, Chris Towers. <clears throat> um, and yeah, if you know, we're all higher on some of these guys consent in terms of the consensus between the three of us, like Willie Adamas or Corey Seager. Um, or it's just in George Springer's case, like I'm much higher. So I'm sure that plays a part in that as well. And then the projections are part of it too. But yeah, yeah. you're not going to hear me disagreeing with uh, <laughs> any of these because I play a part in why all of these are higher. And, and I imagine you picked out the sample of names you chose there, Frank, were ones that are personal to us. These are um, these are just the ones that I, I went position by position. These were just the clearest outliers in terms of really? CBS versus ADP. So I've seen I've seen some on CBS that are like way on the opposite end from us too. And you know the default view in the CBS draft rooms is projections, which we have nothing to do with. Somebody else does those. But as Chris pointed out, you can change from the default view view of projections to each of our individual rankings, and maybe a lot of people are. Uh, maybe a lot of people who draft on CBS listen to us, and so they're, you know, they're they're just naturally pulling those guys up from where they they may show up in the in the default view, which is projections. So I just want to mention that too. As a quick aside, if you're doing a draft this weekend or over the next couple of weeks on CBS, as soon as you enter your draft room, please please toggle off of the projections to anything else that Chris mentioned. If you want to, well, that the, I mean, hit the drop down just start. Honestly, that's not just ours. You should do that in any draft, in, in any league, sure. because those are, one, those are just going to track most closely with how people are going to draft in that league. And look, you've heard me say it a lot, but one of the few ways in which you can potentially differentiate your team is by zigging when everyone's zagging. And so if there's a bias built into the projections or the rankings that are default to any any scoring format, any league, NFBC, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, you're going to have most of the people in the draft room defaulting to whatever the default in the room is. And if that means that one version, if whatever scoring format you're on is 
inherently higher on pitchers or hitters. That means that there are going to be values available when you're going away from the default. And so I think that that should be the way you look at it all the time, no matter what. And just not to give ourselves too much credit, but I think rankings from the quote unquote experts or analysts will probably give you a better path through the draft than the projections. Because like Scott was talking about the projections, when you're talking about median projections, you're talking about the most likely outcome or some weighted average of the most likely outcomes or however. And so you're going to have situations where people are higher on Logan Webb in a way that the projections may not account for. Maybe those projections will be right, but you're also going to miss on a lot of things. And drafting by projections, just it's an easy way to finish in sixth place. You know, drafting the most likely outcome every time is the easiest way to finish in sixth place in your league because you need people who are going to beat their projections as well. Yeah, and I don't know that you know, for any provider, like how often people are updating projections. But I know that we're updating our rankings every day. So once you get in that CBS draft room, just toggle off of the projections, hit the drop down menu, go to expert average rank or use Scott or Chris or myself, whichever one you want to use. But just a heads up, De- definitely do that uh, if you're drafting on CBS. A few pitchers that were higher on Noah Syndergaard, 162nd, Patrick Sandoval, 180th. Makes sense. Carlos Carrasco, 225th. Also makes sense. Scott, Corey Knable, 136th overall on CBS, 187.2 is the ADP. So I don't know if we're all just like collectively higher on Corey Knable or, or I don't know, maybe he's projected for some kind of crazy amount on the CBS projections. But uh, I, I thought that was interesting because we haven't really talked yeah. about being that much higher on him. The CBS projections, I haven't looked at them, but they may they may be up more they may be hedging not so much hedging their bet with the saves projection for Knebel. they may just be giving him a full saves allotment because he's currently in the closer role and and maybe some others aren't uh, so that might explain that i don't feel like i'm personally higher than Knebel on the consensus he's in that range of closers i like to target but not so much because he's Corey Knebel, just because i like to target that range of closers all right, that uh, that just about does it uh, for all the rankings here. Before we hit the news and notes, I want to share a little cheat code for keeping tabs on March Madness, and that's the CBS Sports mobile app. It's not only your gateway to watching every tournament game, but the best for lightning-quick college basketball scoreboards, updating brackets, expert picks, and the latest news on all the action for the men's and women's tournaments. The app is free. Just search CBS Sports in your app store, and if you're like me, it'll soon be your go-to sports app for for everything. We had a trade on Thursday. Randall Grichuk has moved over to the Colorado Rockies in exchange for Rymel Tapia and prospect Adrian Pinto. So there are a lot of moving parts here. Chris, we'll start with you. Randall Grichuk, what do you think about his value here? Is it on the rise? It still seems like the Rockies, they have a lot of names there between Outfield and DH, Connor Joe, Charlie Blackman, Sam Hilliard. So what do you think? I mean, they, they've got a lot of names. They've got a lot of names that fantasy players know, but those aren't names that fantasy players know because we think we think they're especially good baseball players. We know their names because they're on the Rockies roster, and that means they get to play half their games at Coors Field. And I'm not going to say Randall Grichik is so much better than all those guys for sure, but I am going to say that I feel very confident he's going to play a lot more than those guys, or at least he's got much more 
of an assured role than someone like Connor Joe or Sam Hilliard or, or whoever else we might be talking about. And so, you know, he's got a decent salary. He's making $9.5 million this year. I'm pretty sure they traded for him. So I'm going to go ahead and say Randall Gritchick is going to be in the everyday lineup and maybe he'll just be so bad that it won't matter. And he won't be an everyday player, but <laughs> the Rockies don't tend to adjust for course field factors in how they view players. I don't want to disparage an entire organization, but I'm going to go ahead and say the Rockies are not the uh, most analytically savvy or well-run franchise in baseball. They very well may be the worst in both of those regards. Um, I love that you ask. we just always rip the Rockies. <laughs> I mean, rightfully so. They deserve it. That's true. They do. This is a really poorly run franchise. That, that is um, fair. Randall Gritchick is going to play every day. And... Playing half his games in Coors Field, like I'm not going to say he can be better than Chris Bryant, but it's a similar situation to Chris Bryant where he's a good enough hitter that the floor and the ceiling just got much, much higher. And Mm -hmm. 275, 30 homers, 190 combined runs in RBI, Mm -hmm. that's well within the realm of possibility, and that might be in the fat part of the curve for Randall Gritchick's outcome. So this is a... Big deal for his fantasy value. I don't think it would be an overreaction to move him into the top 40 uh, outfielders in both points and Roto. Whoa, top 40. All right. I, I saw a tweet from, I think it was Rasball on Thursday, that that they moved him up to, I think, 39th in their outfield projections this upcoming season. That is season. what I was so, thinking of. Yeah, so wow. uh, the ADP for Randall Grishik is 340. He's made more contact the past couple of seasons, which... Right, is, that's what I was going to point out. That, that's yeah. something that bodes well for, for Randall Grishik. Below average strikeout field. rate each of the last he, two seasons. Yeah, yeah, he's not, not, not a big strikeout guy anymore. We know he has over-the-fence power, so if you know, it's, it's not going to be a Sam Hilliard situation. And, and I think, honestly, I think this trade was all about Sam Hilliard. I think it was about getting somebody who they felt comfortable playing center field who wasn't going to be just like a complete zero on offense. Uh, Their general manager, Bill Schmidt, the first thing he is quoted as saying here in the write-up on on the Rockies' official site is, we've been looking for another power bat, and I think we acquired one with Gritchick. The second thing he said was, he can play center field. And so part of that calculation is I think they do want Connor Joe in the lineup, because remember, they were talking about Maybe we can play Rymel Tapia in center field. Uh, I, I think they wanted Connor Joe in the lineup more than Sam Hilliard all along, and I think acquiring Gritchick allows that to happen because now they're not as stretched in center field as they would have been, you know, if they were going Tapia and and, and Joe in their outfield. So I think it's good news for Gritchick. As Chris already covered, I, I hadn't considered moving him all the way up to forty. I just moved him up to thirty-seven. Right ahead of Hunter Renfro and and Jorge Soler. Jeez. I I moved him up to 66, but I may need to think about that a little more. Wow. Uh, It's course field, guys. And he's a decent hitter. I mean, it's Randall Gritchick. Right, but he's been like a 740 to to 790 OPS guy the past four years. And I get most of that is he's not a great OBP guy. So, like, Mm -hmm. if he's going to hit 270 in course field, that probably comes with a 500 slugging percentage. It and could be. It, it could be like Michael Kadire's years in Coors Field, maybe. Sure. Yeah. I um, mean, those were great years. I guess Jeez. part of my thinking was, 
like nobody's going to start drafting Randall Gritchick that high based on like I, I was thinking I'm going to rank him so that I, I can get him on the stealth still. And, and maybe maybe that's not as possible as I think it is. Well, part so, of it is also just I I rank Hunter Renfro and Jorge Solera in the top 40. I think they're either right at the beginning or right at the end of a pretty significant tier. And so I think there are like 36 to 40 good outfielders. And I think there's a pretty big drop off after that. And so I just, I think Richard's on the right side of that now. Michael Kadire wasn't a great comparison. The years I was thinking of actually came with the twins, though he did play with the Rockies later on. Yeah, he was like uh, a 300 hitter with the Rockies. So stock up for Randall Gritchick, clearly. I think stock up for Connor Joe. I also think stock up for Alejandro Kirk. As we were talking about on yesterday's show, like why couldn't they just make him the full-time DH? Randall Gritchick was the main other hitter who was interfering with that. Uh, not that Gritchick was going to be a full-time DH, but you know, he would spell all the other outfielders and let them play some DH. And I, I still imagine we'll see Teoscar Hernandez at DH some. We'll still we'll see George Springer at DH some. But I get the feeling Alejandro Kirk's going to be the primary DH. Like, that's part of the plan here for the Blue Jays is to, to clear Gritchick out so that they can get Kirk in. And that is exciting because he's a catcher-eligible player with a contact rate like Yuli Gurriel and exit velocities like... Bryce Harper. So, yeah, not not saying he's going to put up Bryce Harper numbers, but definitely want at bats from that, especially as a catcher eligible player. And one other thing is, it, it there's been a lot of speculation even before this trade that Randall Gritchick might not be vaccinated, and I don't know if that's the case, but there there does seem to be a lot of assumptions that that played a part because he wouldn't have been able to play for the Blue Jays <laughs> if he wasn't vaccinated. Didn't I say on the podcast just yesterday, don't be surprised if we see some Blue Jays traded in the next couple of days. I, and I mm-hmm. just kind of said it like tongue in cheek, right? <laughs> but no, that, that's a wow. real, it's a legitimate concern for that, right. for that franchise. Not for New York, as we learned today. Did we talk about that on yesterday's podcast? Yeah, we did. Um, all right, I mean... It's official. This New York does not what? have a vaccine mandate for... For professional yeah. athletes. All right, so I didn't expect this move to shake up the rankings as much as it did, but man, Scott, I'm looking at your catcher ranks. You've got Alejandro Kirk all the way up as your 10th catcher now, ahead of Gary I, Sanchez, Joey Bart, Travis Darno, Mike Zanino. I was tempted to move him ahead of Tyler Stevenson too, but I Oof. I didn't. I resisted. All I'm right. moving up to number nine because I don't have Tyler Stevenson ranked inside my top 10 anyway. <laughs> I, I don't even think you have him ranked inside your top 20, Chris. <laughs> Last time I looked at your rankings. Uh, all right, I'm just eyeballing it myself. I'm trying to figure this out, but I think I'm going to move Gritchick up to 50th, which would be just behind 50th outfielder, uh, behind Alex Kirilov and Dylan Carlson. I still kind of like the sleeper slash breakout appeal of those guys, so... I think that's the right range for Randall Gritcher. I'm going to move up to outfield 50. All right, we have a lot more. We're not going to get to the uh, case for the elite closers. We'll, we'll get to that next week. I promise, Jeff, we'll, we'll get to it. Yankees manager Aaron Boone, speaking of closers, said that he's entertaining the idea of using Aroldis Chapman more in the eighth inning this season to keep the closer sharp during lengthier periods in between save chances. Here's what Aaron Boone said exactly. It will serve him well at times and protect other guys at times. It will help us as a staff and keep Aroldis more regular rather than let him get to five, six days without pitching. So 
at first it sounds really bad. I, I don't really think that this affects his value very much. They're just going to pitch him a little bit more frequently because they noticed if he goes five or six days without pitching, you know, during save chances, then usually that's when he's pretty rusty. So, um, so the, maybe in close games is, or games where they're losing, you'll see him pitch in the eighth inning. You, you don't know when you're five or six days into a period where you don't get a safe chance until true you get that safe chance. So it's kind of like maybe if they get to a third day, they'll use him in the eighth inning. But that could also mean that he might miss out on some safe chances because let's say they go two days without a safe chance and they want to use him on a third day just to keep him fresh. And then they get safe chances the next two days. He's probably not going to pitch three days in a row. And so it's entirely possible that there could be some situations, only a handful, where you know he misses out on a save chance because he's already been used in a non-save situation. That's kind of the the risk in as much as, as it exists for closers who aren't strictly used in the ninth inning. All right. I was already avoiding a role this Chapman, so you know, just another reason to maybe knock him down a peg. The Red Sox are planning to platoon Jackie Bradley and JD Martinez in right field this season. Martinez will, of course, still be the DH on days that Jackie Bradley plays. That leaves Alex Verdugo in left and Enrique Hernandez in center. Trevor Story is going to play second. Xander Bogarts is going to play short. So as of now, it looks like Jaron Duran is on the outside looking in, I think likely to start the season in the minors. He had a pretty rough day on Thursday as well. I think he went 0 for 3 with 3 strikeouts. So not looking great for Jaron Duran. Mike Miner may have to open the season on the injured list due to mild shoulder soreness. And Scott, I mean, between him, Luis Castillo dealing with the shoulder, I'm starting to think that there's a realistic chance that Nick Lodolo could actually break camp and, and be in the rotation to start the season. Are we sure he's ahead of Hunter Green? Not sure. I, I think so. I think he's a little bit more stretched out in that regard, like mm-hmm. to give them more length than Hunter Green, but I could be wrong about that. I'm still going to bet against it for what it's worth. Okay. Neither one of them, especially Lodolo, pitched that much last year in the minors. And of course, the Reds are not in, uh, not in contention mode right now. So there are other pitchers they could slot in their rotation instead. And I, I think they will, especially since it's you know, short-term injuries for for the pitchers who aren't going to be ready to go. All right, uh, Ranger Suarez will throw a live batting practice on Sunday and could make his spring training debut next week. Spring training performances that I wanted to mention, uh, vying for that fifth starter job with the Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin fired three perfect innings with four strikeouts on Thursday. Tyler Anderson followed that up with three innings of one-run ball, striking out seven. I mean, Scott, why can't we just... Tell Andrew Heaney to take a walk. He's currently projected. Roster Resource has him as like the fourth starter, but theoretically, they could go Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson as the four and the five here, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they will. I think Heaney's spot is pretty secure. Uh, I mean, is so Tyler gross. Anderson really the guy that we're like pushing guys out of the way for? I mean, that's. I, I think they want him to start. They they gave him. I don't know. I think a decent amount of money for one year. Well, not as much as they gave Heaney. True. And uh, yeah, I think I think the plan is to piggyback guys to start the season: Price, Gonsolin, Anderson, and uh, and Heaney. Those four in the last two spots, and probably figure it out from there. But Gonsolin of those four is the one who has the most relief experience. So I'm a little little concerned about that. But he's obviously also the most talented. I think. 
So hopefully it plays out. You know, at this time last year, I was worried about Julio Arias being the odd man out because he had the most relief experience, and obviously that didn't come to pass. So yeah, don't don't bury Gonsolin, but I'm I'm a little less gung ho about him than I was before before the Anderson acquisition, and of course Kershaw resigning. Mitch Keller threw three no hit innings with two strikeouts. Velocity way up. Fastball velo four miles per hour up compared to last year. Ninety seven point seven miles per hour. The curveball and the slider were each up five miles per hour. Still needs to work on command overall. But Chris, I mean, you're throwing four to five miles per hour harder on all of your pitches. That that helps. That helps someone like Mitch Keller. How dare you? I would also like to see him throw the change up more. Um, he only had three swinging strikes on 43 pitches. So, you know, still only a 26% caught plus swinging strike rate. That's still not at all where you want them to be. Um, but I mean, he looks good. The stuff looks really good. And and I, I thought he, you know, I was watching the start. I thought he looked better as it went on the command, you know, in the third inning, especially he was hitting his spots really well. And, a lot of it's going to come down to that. But the the thing about, you know, if you're throwing four miles per hour harder, he was consistently sitting 98, 99 in this start as well. Um, is your margin for error is just a lot wider and you can get away with missing your spots when it's 98 instead of 94. And so that could be significant. I think Mitch Keller still has a lot of work to do to prove that he can be the kind of guy we hoped he would be as a prospect. But yeah, it's it's promising stuff. It's interesting that he's throwing his curveball more this spring than his slider because the slider's been the better pitch for him. Uh, the curveball was pretty bad last year. So, you know, maybe the curveball was supposed to be the better pitch when he was a prospect. So maybe there's, you know, something to him rediscovering the feel for that pitch as well. We'll see. All right, a couple but other... Eye-opening, if nothing else. Massive, massive uh, upgrade in velo for Mitch Keller. A couple other notes here. Uh, Sean Manaya, four and two-thirds of one-run ball, apparently was sitting 88 to 90 miles per hour with his fastball. Last year, he averaged 92.2. That's part of the reason why I've been very excited about him. So I do want to watch that closely. Carlos Rodon, two and two-thirds innings of one-run ball. Uh, His fastball apparently was in the upper 90s, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Good news for Carlos Rodon. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. blasted his second homer of the spring. And it's going to be hard for for them to keep him down. So if he's playing this well, we very well could see uh, opening day. The yeah. timeline there for Bobby Witt. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost a hundred percent on Bobby Witt being on the opening day roster. All right, the best the for way, last. Carlos Rodon hit 98 miles per hour several times in this start. So that that not just sitting upper nine or hitting upper nineties, but yeah, was pitching like he was last year. Apparently, best for last September last year. Yeah, Logan yeah. Gilbert. Through three innings of one-run ball with six strikeouts. No stat cast for this game, but there was a very interesting article that came out from Daniel Kramer of MLB.com. And apparently, Gilbert worked with uh, Jacob deGrom during the lockout. They have the same alma mater, Stetson University. And what did he learn? Here's what Logan Gilbert had to say about deGrom. He throws everything glove side. That's a focus for him. I'm trying to incorporate that more in practice in bullpens. So I feel like that helps. We're both on the first base side of the rubber. So everything is in the glove side lane, which is the hardest thing to do with the extension out front. 
So if you do that, you can go to any side of the plate. In addition, Logan Gilbert said that he's throwing a firmer slider this season compared to a sweeping slider, which he threw last year. And he he's also throwing his curveball harder this year than he did last year uh, as well. And with all this, I mean, Scott, I'm ready to go gung-ho. I already liked Lo- Logan Gilbert. I want to like push him inside my top 30 starting pitchers. Talk, talk me off the ledge here, Scott. Talk me off the ledge. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Logan Gilbert has a ton of upside. And if if his slider, if he's made that into more of a weapon, he has that much more upside. So I I don't want to talk you out of upside, you know? <sighs> I, I would rather, like, there's a lot of upside at starting pitcher, especially because there are so many starting pitchers. And I, I, I prefer upside targets who've, you know, are already shown they can be successful at the major league level, like Shane McClanahan, another one you like. Um, but Logan Gilbert, Gilbert is isn't, cheaper. Yeah, he's not being drafted in that range. So I, I don't, I, I think I would still keep him behind that group. But no, I mean, like, how am I going to argue against him as a breakout candidate? Of course he could break out. And of course you like to hear things like this from from somebody who, you already have uh, a lot of hope for Chris. He's, he he feels like a really intimidating pitcher to go up against because he's so big and he's got massive extension on his pitches. His release point is seven and a half feet uh, off the pitching rubber. I think is how that's defined. You usually see guys below seven feet. So those fastballs, I mean, he throws 95. Those fastballs probably feel like they get on you even harder than that. So um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I want to see him throw more of the secondary stuff. You know, he was basically just fastball slider. The changeup and curveball were like 18% or 16% usage total. Changeup was really good yeah. last season when he threw it. So there's a there's a lot to like about Logan Gilbert as, a, as an upside pick. Yeah, as I mentioned multiple times, if you just look at all of his pitches individually, they worked. But for some reason, it just didn't work like collectively, like when he was on the mound. So there, there was inconsistency from a start-to-start basis, which is acceptable for a rookie starting pitcher. But you know, you read something like this, and, and you see how well he's pitching so far in the spring. You don't want to overreact, but you also don't want to miss out on, on a potential breakout candidate. So lots to like there with Logan Gilbert. And we're going to wrap there. Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.